0: God's good, isn't He, friends? Man, I love, I love Sundays. I love it with everything. Um, I love worshiping with you guys. I love hearing you worship through song. I love it. It's a joy to hear you worship in song, and uh, I love that we feast on the Word and that we get to feast in song as well. Don't you? Sunday is the best day of the week. Best week, of, unless you're a Lions fan. Sundays aren't good days for you. All right, got to light in the mood. Okay, hey, real quick, before we jump into part five, part five of our teaching series, real quick, I want to look in the camera and welcome all of you watching online. My name's Ryan. I'm our lead pastor here at Radiant Life. And uh, quick announcements, real, real fast. Number one, we have baptisms coming up November thirteenth, both services. If you have not been baptized, now's the time to take your next step in your walk with Jesus Christ. And we are excited. I think it's the very first act of obedience as a follower of Christ is to be water baptized, to go public for your faith. Jesus went public for you. Our faith is never meant to be private. It's a public faith that we have. And I cannot wait for baptism. You can go to the RadiantLife.church, sign up that way. But baptism, November 13th, it's only, how many weeks is that? Two? Two. Pastor Josh says, two. Two weeks away, okay? Get signed up. In about two and a half weeks away, on Wednesday, November 17th at 7 o'clock is our encounter night. That's what I said. <laughs> Thank you. What did I say? Ah, 16. November 16th at 7. Please get signed up for this. Remember, it's a 90-minute interactive thing. So we want to make sure we have enough supplies for you in-house to interact. And I'm so excited for it. It's going to be a beautiful encounter with Holy Spirit. So we need you to get signed up. So please sign up as soon as possible so we can get the supplies here for our encounter night. And then lastly... Last week, I told you, we as a church are entering a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is taking place tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow, if you weren't here last week, I kind of announced that. Tomorrow, we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm asking you to do a true biblical fast of giving up breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or a combination, and we're seeking the Lord. It's not necessarily of what we're letting go of, but who we're letting get a hold of us, and it's the presence of God, and that's what we're after. And so we're going to start it for the next 21 days. And if you want a prayer focus, i want to say this. Pray for revival. Pray that the Spirit falls not only on us and in this place, but in our other churches and our community, and the Spirit of God fall on this community and in this nation because we need the Spirit of God. Amen? So pray for that for the next 21 days. Fast for that for the next 21 days. So this morning is a tough topic. It's a tough topic this morning in our teaching series. We've been unpacking this idea that there's an unseen realm that we don't get privy to. And that there is a devil who comes with us with deceptive ideas and lies that play into our disordered loves and desires known as the flesh, that then get normalized in a sinful society which the new testament writers call the world. Today is a tough topic. I want you to know that I'm in this topic with you. My heart is not any condemnation because that is condemnation is not from Jesus Christ. I pray that holy spirit would convict where we must be convicted. And he convicts in gentle, loving ways that always point us to the way of Jesus Christ. I know today as we look into some of the sins that are normalized in the world today, it's going to cause an uneasiness. My heart and prayer is that you would not rush out and slam the doors on your way out. But you would engage and bring everything before the Lord. Because the problem in our world today is this. The world tells us that if you're in disagreement with someone, they must hate you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We can disagree and still love. You Michigan State fans disagree with my Michigan fandom. We still love each other. Maybe a little less after last night, but we still love each other. We're still there. So may this be that. I want to start at the very beginning. So we unpack the world and look at it a little bit. I want to start in a great place to start: Genesis one. In Genesis one, chapter six through or chapter one, verses twenty six through twenty seven, it reads this way: Then God said, Then God said, Then said God, Let us make human beings in our image to be like what's that one word? Us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. In the very first uh, chapter of the Bible, we get a a huge theological statement. That humanity, mankind, is created in the image of God, us, the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. You have this theological term that comes from these verses as imago Dei. Let me hear you say imago Dei. It means that you bear God's image on yourself. Of all humanity, it's in all of creation, it's humanity that gets this special privilege. You are bearers of God's image. In other words, we're created to... That N word's out of there, by the way. So we're, it's supposed to read, we are created to reflect God's image to the world. We are like a mirror. A mirror that is a reflection... Of the character and nature of God to this world. The Imago Day. All humanity is this right here image bearers. So turn to your neighbor real quick and say, You're an Imago Day. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Never mind, we won't, we'll, we'll keep going. We gotta get going, okay? We're image bearers, a reflection of God to the world. All humanity. Here's the second point, and I want to do these points really quick before we get into the meat. The second point is this: you find in Genesis two that we are sexual before sinful. We are sexual before what? Sinful. The fall happens, and sin enters the world in Genesis chapter three. But in Genesis chapter two, God gives the command. He says this: "This is why a man leads his father." And another, and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. That they were given that order to become the two shall be one flesh. Also in Genesis 2, they're told to be fruitful and multiply. They're given this idea of reproduction rights. You are to reproduce now and fill the world as a reflection of God's image. But then, Genesis chapter 3 happens. And in the Garden of Eden, and I'm not going to read the whole story. We did it a couple weeks ago. Adam and Eve chose to rebel. Rebel. To receive, to seize the opportunity from autonomy from God, and they desired, they had a disordered love and desire. They thought they could become like God, no longer a reflection of Him, but to be Him. And sin enters the world. And it says, now they realized that they were naked and they felt. Shame, which before the fall, there' no shame, and with sin is linked death. and now, what humanity was, that perfect reflection of God to the world all humanity has been shattered by sinfulness. and it is now. What once was the perfect reflection of image bearers is now broken, shattered in pieces. And the image bearers are now distorted. They are no longer whole. And here's the issue. So many of us now in this world take the broken pieces and this is where they get their identity now. And they get their identity now from the brokenness. And it was never meant to be that way. And the distorted becomes normative. They take the brokenness and say, let's normalize that. And the issue arises. This has great impact on us morally and spiritually. Significant ramifications. God's plan be a reflection of me. This is what life was to be, not these pieces and this is an issue today it's right here and you know what comes out of this (laughs) the new god the new spiritual authority that now reigns the new morality is the authentic self which is derived from the brokenness And that has been a tectonic shift in our world today. Be true to yourself. Be true to the authentic self. And you and I now know the problem, it's broken. Jonathan Grant writes this book, Divine Sex. This is what he says about this. Modern authenticity encourages us to create our own beliefs and morality. The only rule being that they must resonate with who we feel we really are. The worst thing we can do is to conform to some moral code that is imposed on us from outside by society, our parents, the church, or whoever else. It is deemed to be self-evident that any such imposition would undermine our unique identity. The authentic self believes that personal meaning must be found within ourselves or must resonate with our one-of-a-kind personality." And that's what the world's screaming today. Who do you feel you are? Be that. Theologian Cornelius Plantiga says this about when this creeps into culture, when this creeps into the world, he says this, in such a culture, the self exists to be explored, indulged, and expressed, but not disciplined or restrained. Yet we hear Jesus' words. You want to follow me? Deny yourself. And in our world today, and all the ugliness and brokenness, explore yourself, indulge in yourself. Express the authentic self. And this is crept into the church. I don't know why I'm whispering. But it's crept in. And when it creeps in, here, here's the danger. Lean in, lean in. As image bearer, confusion now sets in. Confusion sets in because of the brokenness. Because now when we look at the mirror, we see shattered pieces. And we don't see the whole anymore. And can I tell you, as an image bearer, you're created in the image of God. The image of God being the Trinity. If you were here with us about a year and a half ago, no, about a year ago this time, we did a teaching series called Unchanging. And we looked at, you remember what creed we looked at? Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed. Remember what year it was in? Is this really loud? I feel like I'm hearing myself breathe. AD325. You have the Trinity, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. It's three in one. The Son, Jesus, is not the Father, He's not the Spirit. The Spirit is not Jesus, He's not the Father. The Father is not the Son, and not the Spirit. They are God. Three in one. We are created in this image. Confusion does not reign within the Trinity. But because of brokenness, confusion now reigns as image bears. And so this morning, we're going to cover some tough topics. But remember, we're in this together. Amen, friends? Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor Ryan loves you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God loves you more. And that's the truth. So let's journey together briefly. And let's look at some hard areas. But I want to tell you this. The purpose of covering these topics I'm not up here to stand to lament the condition of our society, although I think it's dangerously broken and going in the wrong direction. It's not to make anyone feel bad because that's not the heart of our Father. It's not to oppose ourselves against those who hold on to another belief. It's rather to offer hope and clarity in the midst of high confusion in our culture today. If you struggle with issues of your sexuality, gender dysphoria, same-sex attraction, I want you to know something. You are welcomed here at this church because God loves you, and so do we. Know that. And we say that just like we say, hey, gossiper, You're welcomed here. Hey, liar, you're welcomed here. Hey, guy who spends way too much money, you're welcomed here. The Christian church has not done a good job with gender issues and homosexuality. It feels like the culture says the church is against that, we're against sin. And the reason why it feels like we elevate same-sex attraction and homosexuality and gender dysphoria is this reason. It's the sin we see, and we don't know how to handle it. See, I don't know if you're sleeping with someone else. That's behind closed doors. I don't know. I don't know if you're sitting there in sin and gossip because that's, that's behind my back. I don't know. But it's the sin we see, and so therefore we have discomfort. I also think it's the sin, though, that we'll get into that is sexual, that impacts our body like sin other sins don't. We'll unpack that. So I want you to know that. Today, instead of two genders, there are 72 different types of genders that exist today. We used to say sex and gender, those two words were synonymous. The last 20 years have radically changed those two definitions. Sex and gender today no longer mean the same thing. We must be aware of that. When you say gay, you must understand what you are saying when you say that word. Because when you say a person is gay, that actually now does not mean they're practicing that lifestyle. So we must be careful on the words that we're using and understand. We're all using the same vocabulary but different dictionaries. And we need to understand what is the new dictionary so we look competent when we lead and have conversations with other people. Because then we're using two different dictionaries and we're not even communicating anymore because this person's thinking one thing, this person's thinking another thing. Make sense, friends? So I want to show you what medical news today came out with an article, and this is what they said. Gender is different than sex. Although genetic factors typically defined a person's sex, gender now, look at this, gender now refers to how they identify inside, a.k.a. the authentic self. Only the person themselves can determine what their gender identity is. The, you can't tell me because I know my authentic self. Make sense? So I want to ask the question, and this is clear across the board, what makes a person biologically male and female? This is across the board whether you're in church or out of church, whether you love the Lord or dislike the Lord. Whether you believe the Bible, science, whatever, this is, this is across the board. What makes a person biologically sex, male or female? And you know this, and we're not going to, we'll do biology 101 right here, but we won't get too detailed, okay? So three things. Number one, they have external sex organs. Any kids in the room, teenagers, have a great conversation at lunch with mom and dad, okay? (laughs) Number two, you guys get number one, don't need to explain. Number two, there are internal reproductive organs. A woman has, a female has a uterus that a man does not. Women, you can bear a child. How amazing is that? And all the men say, thank God, we don't have to do that. (laughs) Right? Uniquely designed differently, right? You get that. Uniquely designed differently. We all have an endocrine system that produces sex characteristics, sexual hormones. Males, testosterone. Females, estrogen. Estrogen. And that the levels of testosterone and estrogen can help develop those internal reproductive organs. Do we get that? On the same page. Here's Here's the issue that has been arising in the world today. That sexual cultural characteristics can be skewed and constructed by cultural norms. Here's an example. This is a very generic, wide-sweeping example. Boys like trucks. Girls like dolls. Can I tell you I'm a pastor that likes clothing and design? And not necessarily hunting and killing deer. But culturally speaking, we say men have beards. They're manly men, right? Okay, I have scruff. What do you call me then? I can't grow a beard like Pastor Josh or Pastor Brandon. I can't do that. But do you see cultural norms? Tend- tenderly, we say boys like to be more aggressive than girls and therefore probably like contact sports. But sometimes a girl wants to be aggressive too and let her go play rugby. See, we put cultural norms of how, uh, how males and females should act, though, on them, generically. The preferred view in the world is this. Just be true to the personal sense of self, the authentic self. Today in children's programming, there are 70 programs today on television, Netflix, Hulu, you name it, with 259 characters that are in the LGBTQ or genderqueer or have gender dysphoria. Examples are Blue's Clues, My Little Pony, DC superheroes, Clifford the Big Red Dog, creeping into Star Wars, and now it's creeping into the toy market where we can't even say Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head. It's just now Potato Head. I'm keeping us informed. In Scotland, a four-year-old can identify with the opposite sex in school and the school begin to call that four-year-old by a different name without parental consent. In the state of Oregon alone, in our own country, a 15-year-old can transition without parental consent. And in the state of Oregon, a 15-year-old cannot drive, smoke, vote, donate blood, get a tattoo, and they're banned from tanning beds. We've normalized the broken distortion of image bears. God created mankind in the image of God, male and female. Aspects of God, God's image reflected in those two, male and female. Together, they reflect the image of God. I know for many of us we struggle with this or we know family members or friends who struggle this. Please understand, I have family members who struggle with this as well. I'm on your side and I'm there. There are parents in this church that are struggling with their kids' own identity and their own choosing of sexuality. This church will always be behind you. We will walk with you through everything life has to throw at you. And sometimes we throw our hands up in the air and say, I don't know what else to do. All I say is keep pointing everyone to Jesus Christ. He and only he brings wholeness and healing to us. And Jesus himself reaffirms this. In Matthew, it's recorded in Matthew 19, 4, it reads this. Haven't you read Jesus' own words, he replied, that he who has created them in the beginning made them male and female. I will always take my Savior's words at heart, even Jesus Christ. So please hear me. Our, Our gender and sexuality is not based on how we feel about our internal self. God has intentionally designed our body. He has intentionally designed our identity to demonstrate his will for his good and his glory. And the enemy wants to sneak in and confuse that. And all he has to do is deceive where our disordered uh, loves and desires are and then it gets normalized. Genesis 1, 28, the order given to humanity God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Two things God has commanded humanity. You are to reproduce and you're to rule over creation. Those two things. Those two things right there. God's design was designed for reproduction. And one of the greatest things you can do is give society a child that knows God. And I know there's reproductive issues, and some of you, your friends, we've walked through with it, you, where you can't conceive, and it grieves you. It grieves you. Can I say this? You can be the greatest aunt and uncle to someone. You can be the greatest aunt and uncle to someone. You can be the greatest big brother or big sister a child has ever had. You can be the greatest mentor a child has ever had to. You can. And there's pain there. Deception from the enemy of our soul plays into the disorder of our flesh that is bent, as we learned last week, that's bent away from God's plan, that gets normalized in the world. And the distorted becomes normative. And it's marred, the image bears. It's distorted. I want to take a moment because we do believe in life that everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone. Republican, Democrat, you're created in the image of God. I know elections are coming. Please represent Jesus well. That other party that you aren't voting for, still made in the image of God. Be careful what you say on social, social media. Social media. May we represent God well. Real quick, great book. It's called Reactivity by Paul David Tripp. It talks about how he, he was so saddened coming out of the 2020 lockdown, how Christians behaved. He's like, that is not the way we react on social media, because it's easy to spread stuff and then back away because you don't have to be held accountable for it. That's the issue of social media. There's no accountability. Because you wouldn't say this to other people, but it's easy to type something and then walk away. And he wrote a book called Reactivity of how we should respond to people that we disagree with. You ought to read it. If you know, ooh, that's me, he's speaking to me, that's the Holy Spirit speaking, read that book, okay? But let me talk about life for a moment. There's a big thing coming in a couple weeks. We cannot be silent or be silent in the face of injustice against the unborn. And I know in this room, some of you have had those abortions. We've had pastoral staff have abortions. We will always be a church, a place where you can find wholeness and freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. We support deeper well ministry that helps women to go through and be nurtured and ministered to in those parts that hurt them. We are here for you. We are here. The sin of our nation right now is killing image bearers. And the problem with our sin of our nation years ago was slavery. And the church was silent on it far too long. And look where it took our nation. As one pastor said, the sin of our nation, we offer our children on the altar of convenience. I believe in Psalm 139. For you, God, created my inmost being. You, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made Your parents may have never planned you, but God did. You are not a mistake. You are a child of God with a purpose, and he knit you together, and he knew you. You are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Christ. We believe that. I believe in Proverbs 6, where it says the Lord hates sex things. That actually says six things. That's a typo right there, okay? (laughs) That's supposed to say six. Sex is wonderful in the confines of the covenant of marriage. All the married couples said amen on that. All right. We've made all the single people really awkward in this moment. The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, just like the nature of the enemy of your soul, the devil in hands that shed innocent blood you know what everyone calls a child whether you're a christian or not they're so innocent cuz we know i believe the holy spirit can fill a child in its mother's womb what john the baptist the cousin of Jesus, he, John the Baptist, will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. That can happen. It is not just some cells, there's life. And that life could be filled with the presence of God. I don't get it, but it does. When Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, heard Mary, Jesus' mom's greeting, The baby, check this out, the baby's doing a dance. The baby leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth was filled now with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? Her child inside of her is filled with the Holy Spirit. Her child does a little dance. Now she's filled with the Spirit. Image bearer. Life. matters to God. You matter to God, you matter to us. And we're not casting stones at you. Because Jesus does not and nor do we. We the church will stand with the unborn and mothers of the unborn. Don't plant your flag and just say pro-life. Start to help the single mothers out. Start to adopt kids that are now in a foster system and the foster system in our nation is broken. And what a better way to raise a child than a Christian home if Christians rise up. Rise up. We must attack poverty as well. Because children are often, one of the highest rates is because of poverty issues. If the family feels like they can't support the child, then the church needs to rise up and be the church of Jesus Christ that says, we will help. We don't know what it fully looks like, but we will gladly hold your hand and let's point you to Jesus and figure out what life looks like now. Life. Let me take you two topics real quick. I'm going to do this quick. See, there are television shows that are now entertaining this idea that cross dressing is a cool thing. I mean, there's there's cities that have in libraries where cross dressers will come and read to kids. Marred image bearer. I want to show you in Deuteronomy... By the way, the book of Deuteronomy is the most quoted book of all of Scripture that Jesus quotes. Do you think the book of Deuteronomy is important? A woman must not put on men's clothing and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. I love what Pastor David Guzik says in this moment right here about this verse. He says something so beautiful. And you're going to see it in the world today. He says, The dramatic rise in cross-dressing transvestism and you guys know all that and gender bender behavior in our culture is a shocking trampling of this command and will reap a bitter harvest and more perversion and more gender confusion in our culture it is not okay for us to entertain those shows that entertain that I'm just going to tell you please watch things with caution and you say ah, it's just entertainment I think, honestly, entertainment is the gateway to what the devil wants us to go down. Because you know where we get a lot of our images of the unseen realm? Hollywood, entertainment. Let me confuse image bearers. Well, what about homosexuality, same-sex attraction? And I know I just picked out one verse. I think the Bible is very clear. That if you struggle with that, God loves you. Just like you struggle with adultery, you struggle with gossiping. God loves you. I think you truly, and there's a lot of Christian leaders right now, there's several of them, not a lot, there's several of them that have high authority, if you will, or high stature that we look up to that are beginning to change their tone on it. I truly believe you have to do exegetical gymnastics to get there where they are. I truly believe that. Some of you are like, exegete, what did he say? It's the diving of what God's word means. First Corinthians, the church in Corinth, this is what Paul writes to Christians. He's writing to who? Christians, watch this. Don't you know that, you, that the unrighteousness or unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And then he says, and some of you used to be like this. And then he adds, but you're washed, you're sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. Amen. That God won't leave us just there with the shards of our brokenness in humanity. God's saying, I came to restore my image bearers. So you can be a reflection. Just like he came to restore you, gossiper. Just like he came to restore you, liar. Remember what Jesus was called? Friend of sinners. Sinners. So are we. See, I think truth brings clarity and clarity brings kindness. But we're in this together. We do it with grace and truth. And then he finishes by saying this there is a sense in which, this is why it's important. This is why. There's a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given, God-modeled love, for becoming one. That is a remez back to Genesis where the two shall become one flesh. The word remez is to hint back. Paul is hinting back into creation by saying becoming one. One. Becoming one with one another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid for such a high price for? Because Jesus, remember Jesus' words, deny yourself if you're going to follow after me. Deny yourself. In other words, you can't do what you just want to do. If God is your king, then bow to him not your authentic self. I'm I'm closing. Worship team, make your way up because you'll force me to close. (laughs) Opponents will say this. They'll tend to quote Galatians 3. And here's what Galatians 3 says. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. See, we're no longer the self, the flesh. We put on Jesus Christ now. Like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Opponents will say, see, there's no more male and female. This, (laughs) you do an exegesis on this verse, just means there's no more differences because we're family now because if you apply that same contextual exegesis on this verse then you're saying there is no longer the jewish people judaism ceases to exist and we all know judaism is alive today there are jews in this world so they can't use that argument or the other argument they'll come back and they'll say well jesus preached a message of love and acceptance And I would say, you are right, he did. He also preached a message of sin and holiness. Don't forget that as well. Jesus came to heal our brokenness. I want to show you real quick what evolutionary biologist Colin Wright and developmental biologist Emma Hinton are not christians evolutionists say this in the wall street journal february 2020 wrote an article about humanity and sex they said this in humans as in most animals or plants an organism's biological sex corresponds to one of two distinct types of reproductive anatomy in humans Reproductive anatomy is ambiguously a male or female at birth more than 99.98% of the time. No third type of sex cell exists in humans, and therefore there is no sex spectrum or additional sexes beyond male and female. Sex is binary. But we have marred image bears. Distorted image bears. Again, if you're struggling in this moment or parents you have that child you're like I don't know what to do God loves you and we love you we love you and we're here to pray with you walk alongside you get to know you better and always point to the way of Jesus we're not here to condemn or argue over the silly things we just want to point everyone to Jesus Christ brown university professor lisa lintman wrote an article after her own discovery of this idea of this generation that's currently rising up right now that's struggling it seems like generation z is struggling with this idea of gender dysphoria a lot just trying to understand who they are current studies say that generation z 16% of Generation Z identify themselves as LGBTQIA the highest generation of gender dysphoria confusion that we've ever had and Brown University professor Lisa Littman did her own research that has since now been taken down from the LGBTQ community that fought for this article to be taken down in a scientific journal And this is her research. She says, rapid onset gender dysphoria among teens and young adults may be a social contagion linked with having friends who identify as LGBT in identity politics, pure culture, and an increase in internet use. And that has now been taken down. Last three. I'm going to talk to parents for a moment Um, what should we do what should parents do here's the first thing be informed know what your child is viewing online know what your child searches in the Google searcher engine I think it's called Google engine what is that thing called Lady, Lady Google? <laughs> the search engine. Be informed. Know what your child is looking at. Know your child's friends. There may be the most healthy thing for you to do as a parent to say, we will pray for them, but their influence on my child's life is not healthy and you need to stay away from that friendship but we will pray for them and everything else i think parents we need to rise up we need to rise up and be informed and be in, let me tell you two great books number 1 preston sprinkles book called embodied it's all about gender uh, dysphoria and transitioning can I just say this, transitioning, if you're in that moment, transitioning to a different sex will move you further away from who you are, not closer to who God created you to be. It's a beautiful study that he does. It's beautiful. And then the book is God Anti-Gay by Sam Albury, who used to be a a priest that struggled with same-sex addiction he knew in his flesh his bent away from God was same-sex attraction he was attracted to males but he looks in scripture and says but I cannot act upon that and stayed celibate his entire life because he knew what his sin nature he said it hasn't been transformed out of me so what i'm gonna do is bow to jesus and take a life of celibacy then and he writes that book is god anti-gay you should read it here's the second i told you three be involved be involved as your kid gets older they stay up later have you noticed that and i like to be in bed by 7 30 And if your kid comes into your room at 10.30 looking at my child there and you're like, oh no, go to bed. It may be time for you to take that 10.30 talk with them. Be involved and be in charge. Be in charge. Take their phone away if you have to. Shut down the internet if you have to. What your kid doesn't need is a friend. They need a parent. As they get older, you guys know when you get older and their your kids are like 30, 40 years old. That that relationship does change. There's still some parenting. But it's not it's more friendship with some parenting. But when your kid's in your home, 0 to 18, they need a parent. And I close with this Pastor A.W. Tozer says this The cause of all our human miseries Is a radical moral dislocation God's way The flesh comes in One degree off from God's way A hundred miles later You know how many degrees you are way off now And it creeps and normalizes We love you and I close with this, and I keep saying I close, and I promise I'm closing. The people of the world are not our enemy; they're objects of God's love. They are all image bearers, and they deserve God's love, and God desires a relationship with them. May we encounter the world with grace and truth, as Jesus did. All. In a beautiful Christmas box with a bow that is entitled Love. But we need grace and truth, friends. This is literally my last slide, promise. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces, and the what, friends? That's the battle. It's not the person, it's the thing behind the person, because that person has been created as an image bearer of our Savior.